You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning Winning try. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive Podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL Chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita Show on 1057 The Fan, with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 1057 The Fan. And this episode, we decided that we wanted to hear from you guys, the listeners. We wanted to know what it is that you had concerning going into training camp. And we want to thank you guys in advance for reaching out to us with your questions. And they were all really good questions. So let's start with the first one, Cordell. This one is from Vals. And she asks, have we found someone to take Calais's place? And this is an interesting one because I think that the first answer is going to be like, no, right? Like they didn't bring in anybody to replace Calais. I think that this is going to be an in-house replacement with the defensive tackles that they have. There are a few that are going to be up for a contract year and there's some youth there as well with Travis Jones. So to answer the question flat out, no, but I think that the Ravens are confident and having guys on their roster take the place of Calais Campbell. Yeah, it's going to have to be done by committee. You know, Calais had a lot of responsibility with the Ravens on and off the field. Um, He was the leader, I would say, on the team. You know, the the veteran leader on the team. He's a Walter Walter Payton Man of the Year winner. Um, I think is I don't I don't know if there's a replacement for Calais on this team, and we asked Justin Matabike that, and you know it was just like for him I think it was the same thing. It was like by committee, you know we're all going to lead by committee. Um, and so look on the field, you hope Matabike could be that Calais replacement, right? I mean he he and Calais both had five and a half sacks last year. Uh, Matabike is in a contract year, so you know you're going to get the best of him. Um, and maybe that, you know, catapults him into taking on more of a leadership role. Obviously, if he gets a long term deal, that would help him feel more comfortable taking on a, a leadership role in that locker room. But I don't I don't know if the Calais Campbell uh, total package is on this team because you talk about what he does in the community as well. That's going to be a huge hit. Um, so, yeah, I don't I wouldn't look for there to be a necessarily another Calais on this team right now I would just look for you know uh for the group in itself uh the committee with Matt Abike with Broderick Washington with Travis Jones I would look for them as a collective unit to more so uh 
be able to get some sort of production in the middle of that defensive line. Yeah, I, I think that you bring up a valid point that this is more than just on field presence. Calais was very much so um, a very vocal guy and a leader on this defense and this team in general. You know, he did a lot of pregame speeches for the team, and that's very hard to replace, you know, in terms of that type of leadership. So it's not that they don't potentially have that. We just don't know who that is as of yet. Somebody has to come in and fill in the shoes of Calais in that regard. And that's to be determined. And look, it could very well be a Broderick Washington. It could very well be a Meta BK because those guys are looking to um, cash out at the end of the season. So, you know, we could see um, some emergence of, of those two um, or even a Michael Pierce, who, you know, was once a Raven, you know, left in free agency, came back and, and had a strong start before his injury last year. So it's very possible that you can have a, a, another veteran presence in Michael Pierce being able to do that. But as of now, I think in terms of on the field, they're going to utilize those guys in rotation. And hopefully they somebody is going to step up in the place of Calais to be the guy that everyone wants him to be uh, or wants them to be uh, now that Calais is gone. So that's a great question, definitely, for sure. Um, we've had another question, and it's two. It's a two-part question. We have a couple of people that are concerned with uh, the cornerback position. Um, shout out to the Chef 87, who is an avid listener of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then also Ravens Chamber as with the roster as is, do you think we will have to sign another veteran cornerback at some point during training camp? Or do you think one of the young ones will show and improve? And if so, who makes the jump? And by young ones, he's talking, you know, obviously Jalen Armour Davis, um, Pepe Williams. They also... Um, drafted a cornerback this past season and in, in this year's draft. So, you know, that is a very good question. We talked about Marcus Peters' ship being sailed, so that's going to be out. It feels very scarce once you start looking at the more available cornerbacks that's left. Amos signed with the Jets, and I know that the Ravens were interested in him, but they just didn't pull the trigger for whatever reason. It does feel like that at this moment they're going to – go with the guys that they have on the roster. What do you think, Cordell? Yeah, I mean, and look, it, to your point about Amos, it, it looked like they were prepared to get him. You know, if the Chuck Clark injury doesn't happen with the Jets, uh, I don't think the Jets outbid the Ravens, apparently according uh, to what Jeff's reback uh, from the Athletic was reporting. It looked like the, the Chuck Clark injury really forced the Jets to kind of spend some more money uh, to get Amos out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I could definitely see them adding another corner to this to this roster. Who that corner will be, I'm not sure. But I also, I, I, at this point, when you look at the guys available, there's no corner on the street that's going to walk in and be an instant dif difference maker on this team. Right. So they're going to, if nothing else, give these. I, I think they really want guys like, Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis to really show up and show out. Um, and it's been unfortunate that they haven't really been able to get on the field as much during OTAs and minicamp. Pepe Williams, uh, he he got hurt during football school, so he's been out uh, this entire time. And Harbs let us know that, you know, he's hoping Pepe will be able to get back on the field at the start of training camp. I'm not necessarily expecting it to be that way. We'll see. We'll see. 
Um, but I think if they could get the sooner they get Pepe Williams back, the better for him and for them. Jalen Armour Davis, same thing. I mean, the dude just can't stay on the field. That was his thing coming out of Alabama. That's why his draft stock failed the way it did. It's because the dude's medical history is not something that's good to look at. Um, so I think in a perfect world, they want him to kind of be the guy to kind of show up. If he, if Armour Davis could be, could, could pull together some, a, a nice healthy stretch and actually show himself to be a formidable corner. I think we could have a legit outside corner competition between he and Rocky. I if, if all, if in a perfect world, if Armour Davis was able to be what they wanted him to be, I think they think he could be the guy to do that. He's got the body size. He's got the skill set to do it. Um, but just health and consistency, even when he was on the field, has been a problem for him. You mentioned the guy they drafted this year, Caillou Blue Kelly. Yes. Uh, I like Caillou Blue Kelly. I do. Um, I'm, I don't necessarily have high hopes for him right now, but I could see it. I could see it with him. He's got some length, uh, some long arms. He, you know, he he knows what he's looking at. He's a smart dude. Um, I think he has to get a little better with his uh instincts and being able to react off of what he's seeing uh trust what he's seeing more and that's a common thing with rookies they they're a little hesitant because they're afraid to make mistakes but i think once he gets to the point to where he is trusting what he's seeing and and actually just kind of going through the motions and reacting much faster i i think this dude could be something so um i don't i don't know how much we'll see of him this year but i do expect them to bring in another corner it's just like i said I don't see a corner on the street that can help right away, which gives these guys that are already on the roster a leg up. Yeah, and there there are other guys on the roster that we didn't even mention. There's Brandon Stevens, there's right. Trayvon Mullen, there's Daryl Worley, and uh, you know at this point they're veteran. Uh, Stevens and Worley are absolutely considered veterans at this point. So, do you think that there's anybody out there that's going to be better than those two guys and have more of an impact? And I just don't think that there's anybody out there that you feel like can do more than what those guys did. And to be fair, like Worley in the position that he was put in, in that Bengals game, I mean, look, he held his own and I, and I, you got to give him props for that. You know, he was putting a very, um, un, you know, a position where it was probably not the best that the Ravens wanted him to be in. Mm-hmm. And he did the best that he could. And he played fairly well in doing that. So, you know, I, I just don't know that there's somebody on the street that's currently available. Sans Peters, who we know that they're probably not bringing back. That can be an impact player the way that the that fans or the Ravens alike would like to see at the cornerback position. So it does appear that they're going to just ride with what they currently have. So, um, yeah, in terms of making a big jump, you know, oh yeah, you know, Brandon Stevens might be able to, might be the one. He has a lot of experience on this team. We've seen a lot of experience with him um, in that regard. And I do think that Yasin being here does help him, you know, in terms of, you know, he doesn't have to feel the pressure of necessarily being outside. Of course, unless they put Marlon on the inside guy, then that's a different story. But if they kind of, uh, you know, um, leave him on the inside and he doesn't have that pressure and he already has the experience of being here. The other guys, due to their injury history, it's, it's just too hard to tell at this point. That being said, you know, Caillou Blue Kelly does have an opportunity to rise from all of this if he can stay healthy and he can find a way to 
um, be consistent on the playing field. So it's very possible that he could do something as well. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about a guy that can make the next jump and, you know, take an injury out of it, I'm excited to see what Pepe Williams does this year. I, I thought that he had some of those Marcus Peters types of tendencies. Yeah. When I watched him last year. And even in his personality, you can see Marcus Peters has rubbed off on him a little bit as well. So yep. I, I think Pepe Williams is a guy that if, if given an opportunity and health isn't in the way, I could see him being a guy that, that takes a nice jump this year. I could see him being a guy that is uh, helping facilitate some of these turnovers that this defense likes to force. He's a dude that plays bigger than he is. Uh, he's not afraid to get in there and make a tackle. I, I like to see Pepe Williams on the field. And if he can get out there, um, I think he could be a dude that we could see take a jump this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Cordell. Um, so let's move along. Our guy DJ Baltimore, sorry, DJ B Moore <laughs> asked the question with a pretty stacked roster and some positions, what surprise player could be traded and for what position? Well, obviously, if a trade was coming, we talked about the fact that uh they could use some depth at cornerback. Feels that way potentially left guard if you don't like what's going on and that at that competition so that could happen but in terms of um trades it's funny because a year ago we complained about the ravens not having enough wide receivers on their roster and now it's very possible that they've had too many and if you feel like that there's some type of value to get out of guys um, like a Prochet, like a Wallace, I feel like, or Duvernay. Uh, unfortunately, I, I hate to say that, but it's very possible mm -hmm. that he could be somebody that they would look into as well, that they could be that particular group because of the depth there could be looked at as, okay, we could unload one of those guys for someone else. Now, I don't know what the value would be for a guy like Crochet or a guy like Wallace. I do think that there's value for a guy like Duvernay, but ultimately, I mean, you know, it depends on the, ne the necessity of the team. If, you know, they lose a player in training camp that might be out for a while and they feel like they need to, then the Ravens could, could potentially find a way to fleece somebody. But just regular, like, straight-up trade, uh, them to another team. I, I mean, it, I don't know what the value would be, but it does feel like that they have a lot of depth at that position where a year ago they had none. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, wide receiver is probably the go-to in terms of position. Um, I could see all of those guys. Look, anybody outside of Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Odell right now, I think. And I, to be honest, I would probably say Aguilar is in that group as well. To a degree, um, yeah, not it's, it's a one year deal, right? Oh. So, like, what are you doing with that? Right. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that 
he would be untouchable at all. But yeah, really outside of the top three receivers, I think anybody could, they would fail to call on any of those guys. Um, and Duvernay, you know, is a part of that group as well. And I don't think it's a situation to where there would be, they would be shopping these guys. But look, like you said, injuries happen in training camp, injuries happen in the preseason. And dudes can go out there and put on a nice couple of games. And, you know, you may get a call from a team that has a need at that position. I'll give another one that could be sneaky. What about tight end? I mean, yeah. they got three of them that uh you know I'm not saying obviously Andrews isn't going anywhere. I doubt likely he's going anywhere as well. But hey, who's to say if Kohler goes out there and puts together some Isaiah likely type performances from last year's preseason, you may have a team that calls you about Charlie Kohler. Now, the Ravens value for him is probably going to be higher than what other teams view him as. Um, so I would be curious to see what type of compensation they could get. But look, we've been talking, at least I have, I've been talking all, all season about, I don't know how they're going to get all of these tight ends involved. And you look around the league, there are very few tight end rooms where they have three tight ends that they can, that they feel comfortable playing uh, at any given time. So I would look for that. I, I would I, just as a sneaky one, not as a, you know, a short shot one, but this could be a sneaky one. If Kohler goes out there, and really balls out in the preseason, who knows? I'm sure that somebody would call for him. I, I completely agree. Tight end is definitely one that you would have to watch um, because they do have a lot of depth there, and, and they're projected to have one of the better tight end rooms in the NFL. So it would definitely be interesting to see if that one would be something that they would be interested uh, in terms of moving around. Um, at Halls Keefe, Making sure I got that right. I hope I did. <laughs> Wants to know which rookie do you think will have the most immediate impact this season, and which rookie are you most excited to watch? Well, um, I, I don't know if you, if you. The Ravens only had a handful of draft yeah, picks, so picks. let's let, let's start there, yeah. right? Um, and so, okay. I think that the one that might have the most impact, you know, could be Zay Flowers. I think he might be in a position to be very impactful because of, you know, the, the past injuries to receivers like Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham. So it does put him in a position, I think, to get some playtime that, you know, maybe we thought that he would be eased in. And I do think that that's the plan. But if somebody goes down, I think that he will be up for the challenge. In terms of the most um excited to watch. I'm curious to see what Trenton Simpson, the linebacker from Clemson, is going to do because I've heard a lot of great things about this kid. Um, I heard that he can play on all three levels. You know, he was being um, compared to Adalis Thomas, if you remember him mm. um, back in the 2000s. And so I've, it's been a lot of hype when it comes to Trenton Simpson. And when you watch some of his film, he does really look like he can do it all. Now, obviously, you know, he you don't want to put him on the third level. It's probably where he is the weakest, but he can play it, I guess, is the point, which is very impressive. 
Um, so I am curious, you know, as he's a linebacker and he does really well um, in terms of, you know, um, getting at running backs and such, apparently he's a good pass rusher too. So I'm interested to see what they're going to do with him, how uh, McDonald is going to utilize him in this defense to kind of move him around and see um, how how they're going to have him play. So that's the one that's most exciting for me. I think Zay is the, the one that will have the immediate impact because I do think that Zay is going to be a really good wide receiver. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it's Zay and Zay. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is for me. I, I, I'm not even about to try to uh, make something happen with somebody else. It's Zay and Zay for me. I mean, the dude could turn out to be the best wide receiver on this team, you know, by the end of the season. I think he could be their next most explosive player on this roster next to Lamar Jackson. I mean, the, I we've talked about this before. I know Ravens wide receivers that they draft – you know, people kind of are like, we got to see how this goes because more times than not, it usually isn't what you expected it to be. Um, but I got a feeling Zay is going to be kind of the one that, that you know, that we thought Hollywood Brown could right. be. Um, so I'm excited to see Zay. I'm excited to see what, you know, how his game translates at this level. I'm excited to see how Todd Munkin, uh, utilizes him and I'm excited to see this connection between he and Lamar blossom. You know, they they're working out to the Florida boys, you know, Lamar's been watching them before the Ravens even drafted them. They're working out together. I mean, it, this, this connection just feels like the one that the Ravens have been looking for right now. And look, Rashad, I, I'm a big Rashad Bateman guy. I just want to see him stay healthy and stay Me on. The too. Field. Um, but you know, I get the feel already that Lamar may have a you know a, a better connection with Zay than he than he has with with Bateman simply just because of the inconsistency with the times that Lamar and Bateman have been able to be on the field together. Even now, Bateman can't get out there with the guys. You know, he's still trying to work his way back. So I I really wouldn't be surprised if Zay is kind of like the wide receiver straight out the gate just because he's he's got a leg up on the new offense he's kind of got a leg up right now with just being able to run with Lamar right now I agree with that yeah it does feel like they have a connection already which is a great thing if you you know you want your quarterback and wide receiver to to have some chemistry um so I I'm with you I do think that Zay is setting himself up to have a very impactful 2023. And that doesn't necessarily mean touchdowns and yards, just being available to potentially um, be, be open when, when, you know, other guys are being covered or to even be a decoy. So I'm excited to see how this goes. All right. Two more questions, Cordell. Let's, let's, let's get to two more uh, before we end our podcast today. Um, Toshio B asked, where does Pat Ricard fit into this new offense? And I'm going to be completely honest and say, I do not know. <laughs> yeah. Like that is a very good question. Um, we've seen Pat Ricard do numerous things in the past. We've seen fans complain about Pat Ricard's um, snap count in the past because he has been on the field um, quite some, but listen, 
Pat Ricard is also a good blocker. So what we're not going to do is act like he doesn't have a role on this team. The Ravens are still a run team. They like to run the football. So there's going to be a place for Pat Ricard. I would think that he would be less impactful in the passing game in terms of like using him as a passer than in years past. Um, but ultimately, we, we absolutely there's a place for him because this is still a team that likes to run the football. This is still a team that is learning about what their left guard situation is looking like. So from a blocking perspective, I still think that there's absolutely a place into this new offense. We just have to figure out what the other nuances are in terms of where he fits into this offense. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's one of the biggest questions about the offense is where does Patrick Ricard fit in? Um, and to be honest, I'm not completely sure just yet. I mean, of course you, you have him out there as a, as a run blocker, but I've, I've seen some stuff uh, with the way that they've used Ben Mason. So I could see Patrick Ricard, maybe, you know, still a guy that they use in the past again, because look, if, if you can't put it, make it a situation to where you're predictable and where if defenses see Patrick Ricard on the field, then they know it's a run play. You, you don't want that. So you have to be able to mix it up and have him out there for pass plays if you're going to play him just to keep the defense honest. So I could see him involved still in the underneath passing game. That looks to be an emphasis for the Ravens this year. It, you know, he, he, they're going to throw the ball down the field, but don't be afraid to take the underneath as well. And that's a thing for Lamar learning to check the ball down I think that's something he's actively working on right now so and just strictly speaking of the passing game you know he'll be used as a chip blocker be yeah. used underneath routes um they still will put guys in motion he could be almost used as a third or fourth tight end to be honest with you as well um so I, I think Todd Munkin is still working out the kinks uh, Ricard hasn't been able to get on the field with the guys during OTAs and mini camps. So it's not like we've been able to actually see him out there and see what he'll look like in this offense. Um, but I, I think that'll be one of the big things to watch. Obviously a snap count is going to go down from the last few years. It should go down. Um, if we're talking about getting to a modern style of offense in today's right. game, you um, fullbacks are now there are good full but you know when a team has a good fullback like the Ravens like the Niners they utilize them and I'm all for that I don't have a problem with Patrick Ricard at all he's a football player the dude right what you ask him to do I mean he's played on the defensive line for crying out loud um so I, I think that they're still trying to figure out how they're going to use him uh, right now, but I, I would still expect to see Patrick Ricard as in some sort of role in this offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, you know, look, he, there's a place for him. I just don't think that it's going to be the same type of place that he had in Greg Roman's offense. So, you know, there's that part of it. And we'll find out more in training camp how they want to utilize Pat Ricard um, in this offense. Um, we would be remiss if we don't have Lamar questions. So we say the best for last. Um we had two Lamar questions and we'll, we'll, you know, find a way to combine them. Um, Jermaine 611 asks, uh, do you think, do we think that Lamar is going to have his best passing career this year? And uh, native son had asked how much pressure is it on Lamar to start off hot? Do I think it's going to be his best passing career? I do. 
Um, I, I think that the, all the stars are aligned for him to have his best passing career. And he, this is the best wide receiving core that he's had um, thus far. And that doesn't even include, you know, all pro tight end Mark Andrews, who is still very much a part of this offense and will be. So there's that part. Um, and in terms of pressure to start off hot, I personally, Cordell, am not giving the Ravens a lot of pressure to start off hot. I understand other fans might, but there's too many parts here. Um, there's a new offense, and that's part of it. There's new players involved, and that's part of it. There has to be some chemistry that has to be built. There has to be uh, understanding the implementation of the new offense. Um, luckily for the Ravens, their schedule is pretty light in the beginning of the season. For me, they sh- they got to end high because their schedule is very hard down the stretch. So, you know, are they going to – I think they might start off a little lukewarm because they're still trying to put all these parts together. And that's going to take some time when they have some real action against real live opponents. But to me, the better thing about how we can put – how we could actually look at this team – and grade them as how they're going to do down the stretch when they play against much tougher opponents in that regard. Yeah, I mean, well, what the first part about is can this be Lamar's best passing year? Um, I, I think it depends on how, what you define by best passing year. 6,000 yards, like you said. I mean, that, that, would, <laughs> that would be close to it. That'd be close to it. I mean, look, I, I think passing passing yards, it will be. I think Lamar's going to get close to 4,000 yards passing this year. I don't know if he'll get to 4,000, but I, I could see him in the 37 uh, and up range. Um, but in terms of efficiency, I mean, that 2019 season was just ridiculous. I yeah. Mean, you know, 66 uh, completion percentage, 36 touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, that touchdown to interception ratio is something that's amazing. tough to duplicate. Um, I don't know if Lamar Jackson is a 40 touchdown guy. Um, maybe, maybe he could, you know, um, but I don't know if he'll be able to do that this year. Maybe he will. I definitely agree. Obviously this is the best pass. This is the best receiving group he's had uh, with the wide receivers and tight ends combined. Um, but I just, I, the efficiency from that year was something that I don't know if it can be duplicated um, again. So I don't know if he has his best passing season. I'll say he has his highest yard total, but I don't know if he eclipses 36 touchdowns. I don't know if he throws less than six interceptions. Fair. Um, Good point. So uh, in terms of the pressure being on him to start out hot, I mean, typically Lamar does start out hot. So that's the, that's the good part. I, I don't, I don't know if there's any necessarily added pressure to do it maybe um but i'm giving them like you i'm giving them a little bit of a grace period understanding it's a new offense understanding it may be rough for them to start the year and look they they've got three division games in their first five weeks of the season all on the road at that so yeah they do get the texans to start out the year yeah they do get the the Colts, i believe as well uh, and yeah they get the Colts week three but to have to go to cincinnati and uh and and Cleveland and Pittsburgh in the uh all in the first five weeks of the season will definitely be tough and it and it takes away a little bit of that 
extension of being able to figure things out because you don't want to drop division games. Well, you that's know? true. So uh, it's it's a little bit of that. So they better, you know, they they better really utilize those Texans and those Colts games to to really try to work the kinks out because once you get in the division, I think the division is going to be tough to win this year for anybody. For anybody, well, I mean, it's been like that for a while now, right, anyway. Right. You know, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's yeah. not different. That's not different. Yeah. But I just, I just like in terms of who's, and we usually know who's going to be the 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 bottom team in the in the in the uh, division this year. Usually, I don't know if it's a bona fide guarantee that the Steelers are going to be in fourth place this year. I don't. I don't know where the Browns are even. I think the Browns could go anywhere from one to four, to be honest. <laughs> I, I honestly think they could be in any of those four spots, depending yeah. on how their year goes. So um, I, I just say that to say, yeah, I could see nationally there being more pressure on Lamar. He just got the payday, got all the weapons, new offensive coordinator. He's now in, what, year six uh, now. It's kind of go time. Um, so – I could see that, but for me personally, I, I'm not adding any pressure. I'm expecting him to do what he always does, which is start out hot. I don't think there's going to be any difference there, but I am giving this offense as a whole a little bit of time to figure it out within the first couple of weeks. Completely agree. And and valid point about the, the division um, first uh, three out of five games, because um, that is fair. But it, but it, when you start looking at the, the, the stretch, um, from like Thanksgiving oh, yeah. on, it's, November, it's, it's December brutal. is brutal. Yeah, it's super brutal. So yeah, they, they're already going to get tested early on, mm-hmm. but they got to figure those kinks out early um, before they get to the second part of the season when they play those guys again. That'll be interesting. We want to thank you so much um, for the questions. We truly appreciate your engagement and those. And we'll be doing more mailbags in the future. This was really fun. And it gives us an opportunity to, to see what everybody's concerns are, like you and me, Cordell, because look, right. we, we all got the same concerns. They're, you know, We're all trying to see where the Ravens fare uh, for this upcoming season. So thanks again to everyone. Uh, who asked the questions and I will talk to you guys next week from Cordell to me. This is winning drive. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 